0: Hello, Question of the Day listeners. For the next couple weeks, we are going to be all about the holidays and how to survive them.
1: And it's not like holidays are always so great. Oh, I don't think anybody assumes that they are. I could tell you, to set the stage for the next few episodes, I'm going to be by myself for the holidays.
0: So, I don't know if I'm going to be happy or sad during that. Well, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we, for the next couple weeks, talk about surviving the holidays, whether it's solo or maybe even with more difficulty with your family. All right, so James, as part of this new Surviving the Holidays series, I've got a question for you. Now, before we get to the question of the day, are there any— Assuming we do get to it. Apparently, we sometimes talk a long time and never actually get to the question.
1: Right, so my my pseudo-question, my pre-question is, are there any holidays that are actually— Legitimate. Like
0: Independence Day, July 4th? Yeah, like like the United United
1: States didn't become independent on July 4th. Uh, The United States didn't become independent. It didn't become a country for
0: 15 more years. Maybe that's why birthdays are so good. They're so simple. I mean, I personally don't like my birthday, but... But like, and I guess,
1: right, so you can celebrate, for instance, like there's the birthdays of various historical figures, but even that has been moving targets. Is, is it the calendrical nonspecificity that bothers you? Because that doesn't bother me. Well, like take Christmas as an example. That's supposed to be the birth of Jesus. But that, yeah. that as a holiday that lasted, that was around for centuries before yeah. Jesus yeah. in many different cultures I, at that time.
0: Yeah, I, I think even people who celebrate Christmas in the truest spirit of the birth of Christ idea, are not that bothered by the fact that the date itself uh, is—that it's evolved. Okay, but I mean, that's what we do. We're humans. We evolve. But, like, my— We get worse every day. Many people
1: don't even know—like, because of the Santa Claus and shopping effect, many people, like younger people, don't even realize that that's actually the reason for the holiday. Absolutely, and
0: there are a lot of people who aren't Christian who like Christmas just fine. I mean, look, I I think an interesting parallel—it's a broader parallel—is that, you know— what is the oldest source of law for human civilization?
1: Uh, Hammurabi's code?
0: Right, maybe Hammurabi.
1: And then Which, the by te- the way, was 1776
0: BC. Is that true? Yeah. No. Google it. Nathan? 1754 BC. Wow, you were darn close, though. I think it was 1776. They back to, about 1750. All right. Okay, so... Code of Hammurabi, I guess, is probably oh, technically okay. A- I'm
1: gonna do one proposition though. Just tell me what you think, yes or no. Shouldn't the first day of the year be September 1st and not January 1st? January 1st seems arbitrary. Whereas September 1st, there's like re- I can give you reasons why that should be the first day of the year. Okay, give me some reasons. Okay, that's when all the kids start going back to school. That's when summer. You're all back. Everybody's back from vacations, and the, the weather changes from like happy and partying to well, like. Well, you should cold be Jewish then,
0: because that's what the Jewish New Year is falls in the fall. Oh, It shifts. Maybe
1: that's why I am Jewish. Maybe that's why
0: you are Jewish. (laughs) But here's my bigger parallel. Let's say Code of Hammurabi, let's say, is the foundational one. But then the Ten Commandments became kind of the one that everybody— Okay, about 1500 BC. Right. But here's what's interesting to me is, first of all, most people in America think they know the Ten Commandments but don't. Um, People—so there was some marketing studies. I don't know how much I trust them. I think fairly uh, much, but— people were better at naming all the ingredients of the Big Mac or all the residents of the Brady Bunch house than they were at naming the Ten Commandments. That's sort of like an unfair study. Like, let's pick something... I know, to all be fine, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, because there's no song for the Ten Commandments. Let's pick something ludicrous. Right. But here's my point. Even though... Many people don't know the Ten Commandments. And even though many, many, many people don't know that the Ten Commandments are what helped create what we think of as kind of Western law or Judeo-Christian law, but also Islamic law as well, the fact is that these are legal ideas that are fully accepted that were based on a religious premise. And that's the parallel for me to Christmas. Even if you don't know. But no,
1: I I would argue nobody— invented those laws. It wasn't like those laws were created and then we followed them because somebody gave them to Moses or whoever. They, they were probably uh, oral codes anyway that tribes followed, like don't kill somebody. You know, and, then, and they evolved over time. Like Even thou shalt not kill has evolved completely over time until it's been you know, codified in current law. That is true. Like, you used to be able Uh, to kill some people.
0: Right. I mean, I would agree with you largely in that statement. On the other hand, when those became law, even in English civil law, it was derived from these laws that were first kind of baked into a religious context. But that's my point. We don't care anymore. Most people don't care or even know that they came from a primarily religious context. And I think that's great. If you want to be religious and feel an adherence to religion and its laws because of that— Good. But if you just want to be in a civil society and adhere to laws that happen to derive from religion, similarly, Christmas represents a lot of things to a lot of different people. Right. So, so you're basically saying holidays,
1: whatever your uh, feelings are about them, they've evolved for a reason and maybe for many different reasons in many different cultures. And we can't sort of, you're kind of, criticizing, criticizing them. Like maybe it's just a natural thing that we have a bunch of holidays during the year and yes, we're going some people will ascribe different meanings to them, but hey, we need uh, time for all the family to get together and eat together once a year and or have a tree or whatever.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I would agree that I'm criticizing the criticizing a little bit. That said, I when people say that they hate the blank of blank holiday. They hate the commercialization of Christmas. They hate that Christmas has become, for America and for a lot of other countries, basically the kind of fulcrum of annual capitalism. I totally get that, and I personally agree to a large degree with that. But that doesn't change the fact that, look, I don't think you can be in favor of some ways that human civilization and tribes and communities, et cetera, evolve, and necessarily dismiss the ones you don't like. I think at a certain point you have to say, you know what, people, you know, civilization is a living, breathing thing, and everybody is free to seek out their preferences and their groups and so on. But um, I, I understand the frustration that people feel with not liking the way that a holiday or their holiday is celebrated, but I also think that, you know what, it's not really hurting you individually. We'll dig even deeper into this question of the day right after this. Here's another question that everyone asks at one time or another. How should I manage my money? Whether you're a multi-million dollar investor or just starting out, the answer is Betterment. Five years ago, Betterment built the first automated investing service to help make it easier and less expensive to make better financial decisions from building wealth to staying on track for retirement. Betterment's smarter technology provides personalized investment advice based on your financial goals, then builds and automatically manages a customized portfolio for each goal. With automation of rebalancing, deposits, and tax-efficient investing, Betterment helps save you time and money and gives you peace of mind for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services. And it's easy to start investing with them by linking your bank account or rolling over your 401k or IRA. Betterment is already managing billions of dollars for more than 100,000 customers. Don't you want to be a smarter investor? Sign up today on your computer or smartphone and get up to six months of free automated investing. Get the offer in full terms and conditions at betterment.com slash Question. Betterment. Investing made better. Sign up today at betterment.com/slash question.
1: I'm not against, by the way, the commercialization of Christmas. Like that's how no, you're the, not. that's how the retail US economy exists. Like See, a, we
0: disagree on everything today. Some,
1: some huge portion of retail sales come during those few weeks. So uh, for for the year. So the economy would basically collapse right, right now without so Christmas. Let's talk
0: about okay, so here this gets to the question that I actually wanted to ask today. It took a while, but this is the question, which is uh uh-huh. <laughs> Which is, what was that sound? Uh uh-huh. Oh, is that your like special kind of, effects sound? Yeah, it's like your Moses, choir of angels. Moses coming down from the mountain. <laughs> oh, beautiful! Okay, so the question is, how do you give a good holiday gift? How do you, James Altucher, give a good holiday gift? Or what would you consider would comprise a good holiday gift? For me, um, not not gifts for
1: giving me. giving or gi- receiving. But when when I give. I know usually what the person's kind of interests are, and I try to find like a really odd collectible um, mm-hmm. related to that
0: interest and give that as a gift. So I would say that you are on a very high level of gift-giving, because that would be my answer, which I, is— I think a lot about gift-giving, yes. I know you gave me one of my favorite gifts ever. You know what it was? Um, now that you've given I me give, so many. I've given you a gift. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? You brought me a backgammon set.
1: Oh, yeah, and we've been using it ever since. And we've been using oh, it, although oh, we just, we just gave, gave it away. We just gifted it, actually. We did gift to it. To a waitress in a diner. Don't tell your wife.
0: No, she. my wife was there that Don't day. Don't tell what my do wife. To, okay, I won't <laughs> tell your but uh, it's true. So do you want to tell that story? That was nice. That she was really into backgammon. This waitress.
1: Yeah, and she was, and then we had a sense that she was missing her home country, where backgammon was very popular. She's
0: Turkish, I think. She Turkish, was. yeah. I think Turkish. Or Greek.
1: Um, we,
0: we were at the Quotidien,
1: which is the where, first time we've the been infamous there. Infamous one. Since, the first time we've been there since
0: we found a mouse in the salad. Right. Not in our salad, but we uh, next J- next table next door. The table next door. We may have talked about that mouse in the salad before. And you and I bravely. It took us five years, but we finally went back. Back to that pen quotidian we had a meal lovely no was mice. awesome
1: we met the waitress and then the next time we went there which was a couple of days later i guess uh we gave
0: her the backgammon set exactly right well she seemed really homesick when she saw us playing backgammon because yeah. as she explained she's from turkey she played a lot there now she's moved to new york i don't know she was in her whatever late 20s 30s something like that and she seemed like she missed that part of life
1: and, and i feel like that's a little bit the spirit of gift giving when you kind of almost like extract something from yourself and give it to the other person. Like we've had that backgammon set for 13 years, you
0: know, playing on it. I, You know, I, I hate to say it. I didn't even think of this till now. I'd kind of forgotten then that you gave that to me. So what I did is I bought a new set and I was going to give her the new set. And then we opened up the new set. And we we're like, whoa, this new set is a nice new set. We should off- So we offered her the option. We said, would you like this brand new one? Or would you like this one that we've put 13 years of our blood, sweat, and tears into? And she chose the old one, which I thought was kind of nice. I did clean it up. I actually vacuumed it so out. You
1: took my vomit out? Like, I had the vomit stain. It was more
0: tears. It was <laughs> yeah. more tears from, from when I crush you. Um, but now when I think about it, I feel bad that I gave away a gift that you had given me.
1: No, no. That's the way to give the gift, though. In my opinion,
0: you give something that's part of you, and then it's, it's a real gift. You know, it's one of my favorite gifts to give just habitually, not related to any holiday. Is um, So I, I have a lot my, of books. My books? <laughs> I do have two copies of one of your books on my shelf. I saw this just the other day. Give them away. I'll, I'll get well, you new ones. what I do is this. I know you gave away almost all your books, but I have a lot of books. I have a lot of books at home, and I have a lot of books in my office, and I love them. I love having books around. Many I've read, many I haven't. Some I'll read, some I won't, et cetera, et cetera. But what I really like is when someone comes over to visit, and they wander over to the bookshelf, and they start looking at it, and then they say, oh, so-and-so by such-and-such, I say, please take it. I love to give away books from the shelf, Um, because there it's people declare an interest already, and I feel like it really satisfies some legitimate curiosity.
1: And you also know, A, it's something you're giving, something that you're interested in, otherwise the book wouldn't be on your shelf, something maybe that you're passionate about even. But you also know you can. It's not like that book is gone forever. Like the only you can get that book back, but uh, through Amazon or whatever.
0: Now, how do you feel about cash as a gift?
1: Uh, I don't like cash as a gift mm. because then, like, I, let's say I give you ten dollars and you give me ten dollars, did we give each other a gift? Like, just kind of mathematically, it doesn't work as a gift.
0: Well, let me suggest this though. Let me suggest that for a lot of people, I think cash is a much more appropriate gift than we think. Because I think a lot of people think like you do, which is it just doesn't feel gifty.
1: But you know, just before you explain to me, I do give my daughters cash as a gift because I almost have no ability Mm -hmm. to figure out what they would want. They're
0: never going to want anything I get them. Well, let me make this argument. If you, the father of these children, don't know the gift that will make them happy, how on earth can the average person give a gift to some other person that they surely don't know as well as you know your daughters and have it be a good gift? You have
1: to make sure... It's not a. You have to make sure it's one way. So my kids are never going to give me cash back as a gift. So it's one way. But if you just are talking about a random friend, it's not. You don't know if it's one way or not. Like they could give you cash, you give them cash, and then it doesn't work. So again, it's a mathematical. I understand. But here's the
0: thing. Here's what cash. Here's what giving cash as a gift helps avoid. You know what dead weight loss is? No. Deadweight loss is a phrase, I don't know if it was invented. There's an economist named Joel Waldfogel. Joel Waldfogel wrote a book not that long ago. He's been working on this topic for years, a book called Scroogeonomics, Genomics, in which he argues that you know cash is a oh, pretty good Oh, where did he gift. get
1: that title from? He uh, stole that title from you.
0: Probably from Reaganomics, maybe. Uh, anyway, so but here's the here's the point. Deadweight loss is an economist term for the loss financial or otherwise, that's created in a transactional way when you lose value. So in the context of gift giving, for instance, let's say I think, you know, um, I want to give James a gift and it's getting cold out because it's, you know, holiday season, we're in the Northeast. I'm going to buy him a beautiful sweater for $100. And I give you that sweater and you look at it and you say, thank you, Steve, that's really nice. Really, I like it. Do you like it? Well, maybe you like it about a fifty worth right? Maybe that's the degree of utility or value or happiness you get out of it. $98.50 is what's called the deadweight loss. That's the amount of value that was destroyed in that transaction. See, and-
1: I don't believe that. I, I think the only way they would value that at a dollar fifty, say, assuming nobody knows the price, assuming they don't know the price, I think it's making too much about the money on the gift. I would appreciate the fact, oh, Stephen thought I might be cold in the winter and he got this sweater. So more than the sweater, let's say I never wear the sweater. Let's say I get zero utility out of the sweater. I got the nice warm feeling of Stephen thinking about me, giving me a gift. And I don't know how you put a price on that.
0: The way that economists study this is in this very unsatisfying artificial way, right? They'll give a bunch of undergraduate research subjects an item and ask them to say how much they think it's worth, and they try to measure, then they try to— It's like the price is
1: right of gift giving. It
0: is very artificial. But that said, I can't imagine that anybody listening to this show has not either given or received a gift that turned out to be much, 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 much less valuable to the receiver— than it actually cost. And if you add that up among everybody in the country and in the world who gives gifts, especially around the holiday, you are talking about billions and potentially trillions of dollars that people are spending to buy stuff for other people that the other people do not want. And that is a massive dead weight loss. Right. And
1: so this is where I I just kind of like underline the concept in that we don't know. Again, some of those people might just put value on the process itself of the gift giving in both ways. And so I agree, maybe there's trillions of dollars in mathematical loss that we don't really understand conceptually, and now this economist is trying to define it. But at the same time, some people appreciate gifts, some people don't, just for the sake of it. And, uh, you know, like I might give you a book that you already have, but what if I gave you a collectible first edition of the book? Uh, you've already read it, you already have it, so it has almost zero utility to you, but
0: uh, so it's a total deadweight loss. But uh, See, I would argue the opposite. If you're giving me a copy of a book, especially that you know that I've read and liked, and it's a first edition, then that's a kind of spe- potentially spectacularly you you view it that successful way successful gift. Somebody else
1: who doesn't appreciate right. Uh, but now you're arguing again. Now you're saying that right. 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 No, I'm saying I'm saying the same thing as you. That, that it's so unclear the concept. Right. I agree. <laughs> we but can't you, okay, know really what the loss is. So you're is. not
0: you're not buying my argument generally that an. A hyper-efficient way a, a more efficient way to look at gift giving is better. And I and I appreciate that. We can differ on that, but let me propose one compromise solution. Okay. Right? I, I'm always in favor of that. So my wife, Ellen, she introduced to me a custom, which was something that was common in her family, as it turns out common in many families, but it wasn't common in my family, and that was asking people before a holiday what they want so like even with the kids when they're five like what do you want for your birthday asking me before my birthday or before whatever holiday what would you like and i thought well that's not what gift giving is about gift giving is thinking of something and surprising me so when you open it you get this thing and i thought it was just like totally contra the idea of what giving a gift is but i've come to totally change my mind on it because i think the best gift is the thing that the person really truly wants. Now, it's not always practical to do that. So, what I would propose is this: we create gift registries for like weddings, right? People when they're getting married, couples well, will put up a hundred things, say these are the things we want, and nobody has a problem with that. I think we should embrace personal gift registries. Well, How look, do you I, like
1: that. I, I like it because and Amazon likes it too. That's the Amazon wish list. Essentially. Um, again, though, it's a little different. I-, I like the gift registry thing better than simply asking you. Now, in a pure utilitarian fashion, like it's practical for the wife to ask the husband or the husband to ask the wife because uh, we already know er- everything the other wants, essentially. So it's-, it's hard to surprise the person. But again, if it's just a random friend and it's their birthday, I'm not going to ask them what you want for your birthday. Right. But if it were going to I'm not going
0: to custom- out- outsource
1: to them right, but if the it were- thinking of it. But their if gift. it were
0: a custom, I mean, maybe this is a business that you should build. Maybe it's a business that somebody's already built, for all I know. Amazon's wish list. Well, yeah, but birthday registry more broadly, because if it's not something I want from Amazon, it might be an experience. It might be that I want you to take me skydiving. It might mean that I want you to go out to coffee with me to give me an hour of your experience, right? Whatever. But if everybody could declare their wishes in a kind of central birthday or other holiday registry, I think—and here's what's interesting to me about this idea is— When you talk about dead weight loss and holiday giving, people say, well, but wait a minute, like you said earlier, but wait a minute, the economy is totally dependent on it. What would happen if people stopped giving that $100 sweater? Well, they could spend $100 on something that people actually want, and I don't think it necessarily would hurt the economy and companies and shareholders.
1: No, I I like the idea of like a really – particularly when you're adding experiences to it, that sounds – Interesting and it expands the idea of the Amazon wish list and it also makes it so that I don't have to ask you. I can still surprise you right, right. so and not that the surprise is the essence, I just don't want you if I'm going to give you a gift, I don't want you to assign you a homework assignment first. like now you have to tell me right. what you want. I'm like I'm like making it hard for you to have me give you a gift that's a, that's the reverse
0: of gift giving. All right, James, let me conclude with this. you conclude. you've made clear your dislike of cash. Uh, Except when it's one way. Uh, As a gift. Except when it's one way. So here's what I'm going to say. Holidays are coming up. James, I love you. You're a good friend and you're a good human. I want a million dollars from you. Uh, Cash. Or drugs. (laughs) I do have a million in drugs. I was going to say I didn't have in cash. Um, So I'm going to give you two options here. I have in one hand a bottle of water and it's cold. It's chilled water and it is uh, Nestle Pure Life, which is among the best bottled water that you can buy. And on the other hand, a crisp $20 bill. So I'm going to give you the choice. Would you like the bottle of Nestle Pure Life Water, who's not a sponsor, by the way, I should say, or the $20 bill from the United States Federal Reserve, which is also, I should say, not a sponsor?
1: Well, clearly, you've been researching my interests so I do choose the twenty dollar <laughs> bill,
0: <laughs> but you told me you didn't like you didn't like cash as a gift unless it's one. So now you're you're not going to feel compelled to give me twenty back at least. That's right. All right, <laughs> there you go. Enjoy. Don't spend it all one place, James. The pain quotidian on me. <laughs> Different day, same question-based podcast. What will we solve next time? Stay tuned. Thanks again to Betterment. For sponsoring today's episode, Betterment has revolutionized investing, making it easier, more straightforward, and less expensive to be a smarter investor. Get personalized advice and investment management for a fraction of the cost of traditional investment services and join over 100,000 customers who are already investing with Betterment. Sign up today and get up to six months of free automated investing. Full terms and conditions at betterment.com question. Betterment, investing made better. Sign up today at betterment.com slash question. Hey, don't forget we're doing a live question of the day event. We want to use your questions, so tweet them to us at QOD. Use the hashtag QODLive. And we'll also pick a few of these questions that you tweet to us, and we will reward you with free tickets to the event. The event is Thursday january 14th in brooklyn new york at the bell house for tickets you can go to the we will be joined by comedian and the commentator and general smart person nagin farsad you should check her out online if you don't know her work nagin farsad it's spelled n-e-g-i-n-f-a-r-s-a-d we are thrilled she'll be joining us and we hope you'll be joining us too
1: Here's a peek at what we have in store for you next time on Question of the Day. Uh, This Christmas, I'm going to be totally alone, not with my kids, not with anybody else. And uh, what are some tips for spending Christmas solo? I don't think I've ever had a solo Christmas before in my life.